This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Kamaregal people of the Gurungai tribe of the Eora Nation. I pay my respect to elders past, present and emerging, and I extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may be listening. Hi, my name's Luan and this is the Rewritten Mead podcast, where I talk all things breast reconstruction after a mastectomy. Because let's say it like it is, having a mastectomy can be devastating. Sifting through all the information is overwhelming, the medical jargon's bamboozling, and it can be just plain scary and lonely. But you're not alone. That's why we're here. On the Rewritten Me pod, I talk to leading surgeons about all aspects of reconstruction. Nipples, belly buttons, foobs, Dieppe flap, and staying flat. I also talk to healthcare professionals who can help with everyday practical advice to support your mental, physical and emotional well-being. And I talk to the wonderful women from our reconstruction community who so generously share their stories with you. We're all here to help you make an holistic, informed decision that's right for you so that you can have a say in how you rewrite your story. Welcome back to Rewritten Me, Australia's podcast about reconstruction after a mastectomy. But what is mastectomy? What's involved? When I was diagnosed, I had no idea that there were different types of mastectomy. In fact, I called it the wrong thing. I thought it was called a mastectomy. So it's quite a learning for me after my diagnosis. And that's why I'm thrilled to be talking to our guest today, because she was someone who helped me navigate my understanding of what was involved in a mastectomy. But she's also, being transparent, the surgeon who performed my surgery. So in this part, I'm going to be talking to specialist breast surgeon, Dr. Carly Snook, about what a mastectomy is, the different types of mastectomy, and why someone may have one. As such, we'll be talking about a surgical procedure that some people might find upsetting or confronting. So do look after you and skip this episode if you think it will be upsetting. I will also signpost to some helplines in the episode notes, as well as at the end of the pod. So as I said, Dr. Carney Snook is a specialist breast surgeon. She's also the VP of Breast Surgeons of Australia and New Zealand, known as Breast Surge ANZ, which is the peak professional body representing breast surgeons treating patients with breast cancer. And some listeners may know Kylie from the Breast Recon 101 live Q&A series that I did last year on Instagram when we talked about what kinds of questions you might ask your surgeon in those first appointments after your diagnosis. Kylie is also part of the Australian Access to Breast Reconstruction Collaborative Group formed in 2020. That's an initiative of Breast Surgery NZ and the Australian Society of Plastic Surgeons along with BCNA. The vision of that group is that all women in Australia requiring mastectomy for the management of their breast cancer have timely access to breast reconstruction, regardless of geographical location or financial assistance. So, hi Kylie, welcome to Rewritten Me. Hi Luan, thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest. Um, how's your day going? It's a beautiful autumn day in Sydney today, isn't it? Oh, it's gorgeous. It is so nice. I just went out for a walk then and it's just blue sky everywhere. It it's, is. It's lovely yeah. to see. Yeah, it is. It is. So. Kylie, thinking about mastectomy then, I wondered if you firstly, you could explain what a mastectomy is and why somebody might have one. So a mastectomy is an operation 
where we remove as much breast tissue as we can. The most common indication for a mastectomy is if someone has breast cancer and their surgeon advises that this is the operation they need. Now, not everyone with breast cancer will need a mastectomy. Um, we make decisions around whether or not someone needs a mastectomy based on the size of their breast, the size of the tumour, and also the patient wishes as well. With regard to what actually it is, is to remove as much breast tissue as we can. And there are different types of mastectomy as well. Okay, great. Thank you. So you said as much breast tissue as we can. So could it be that there's some tissue left afterwards? Yeah, there's always, when we perform a mastectomy, whilst we aim to remove as many breast cells as possible, there will always be a small amount of breast tissue remaining. And that's because when we remove breast tissue, it, the breast tissue sits beneath the skin and a layer of fat, and then there's breast tissue. Now, in order to remove the breast tissue, we as surgeons have to go just under the skin, leave enough fat under the skin to allow the blood supply to stay with the skin so the skin survives the surgery and we can make a nice closure on the chest wall or on the reconstruction. But we want to remove as much breast tissue as possible. So that line there where we, where we cut through this tissue or dissect the tissue through is not a perfect straight line. Mm -hmm. And so some of the breast cells come up and meet the skin and go down. And so there's always going to be a few breast cells left underneath the skin or at the very edges when we perform this procedure. Okay, thank you. Because sometimes we hear the term preventative mastectomy yes. to, uh, for people who have a high risk potentially of breast cancer mm -hmm. and the term preventative is used, but there is potentially still some cells left in that tissue, yes, is there? Yes, but on the flip side, we're taking out 90 to 95% of the breast cells that are in the body. Mm -hmm. So we, when we are doing preventative mastectomy or prophylactic, people call it, or risk reducing, we're removing, you know, over 90 to 95% of the breast cells that are there. So really reducing that risk of a problem happening with it, within the body. Okay, great, great. Thank you. And there's some other terms that we also hear as well as prophylactic or preventative or risk reduction. We also hear some terms like bilateral and contralateral when people are talking about mastectomy. I wondered if you could explain those terms as well. Yeah, so bilateral mastectomy is removing both breasts, one from each side. Contralateral talks about removing the other breast, if you like. So that term may come up if someone is looking at having mastectomy for breast cancer, but they may wish or they may be advised to have their other breast removed as well. So that's called contralateral mastectomy. The other term that comes up is also ipsilateral mastectomy, which is a term that some specialists or doctors might use when they're talking about the breast with the problem. So that's ipsilateral, same side. Okay. Great. I hadn't heard that term before, ipsilateral. I guess it, I was just thinking then, maybe it doesn't come up with ipsilateral mastectomy, but if we're talking about lymph nodes on the same side where the disease process is, we might talk about ipsilateral lymph nodes as opposed to contralateral lymph nodes. Okay, great. Learn something every day, Luan. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and I, I quite... Uh... I quite like the I quite like how it sounds. Ipsilateral. It's, it's cute. Uh, the intonation's quite cute, I guess. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So same side, ipsilateral. Ipsilateral, same side. Contralateral, other side. Great. Thank you.
And there are also different types of mastectomies, aren't there, which you, you mentioned uh, as you were talking about what a mastectomy is. So mm. one of the terms that we hear there is a simple total mastectomy. Okay, so a simple mastectomy uh, implies removal of the breast tissue with some overlying skin and then performing a flat closure on the chest wall, meaning we remove all the tissue from underneath the skin in the middle and then close the skin up and not perform a, a particular reconstruction. Okay, great. So that's a simple total mastectomy. Mm -hmm. And then we hear the term as well, skin sparing mastectomy. Yes. Okay, so skin sparing mastectomy is where we make, we try to preserve as much of that skin as possible and this procedure is performed when we plan to perform a reconstruction at the same time. So we essentially want to remove all the breast tissue from underneath the skin and the nipple would come out as well. So the incision is usually a round circle around the edge of the areola, around the edge of the sort of dark part of the nipple. We remove the breast tissue, usually through that central area, and then we have we leave the rest of the skin. It's like removing the stuffing out of a pillow, if you like. And so we leave the pillowcase there or the, you know, the, the whatever you like to call it, the casing, and then place the reconstructive, whether it's an implant or a piece of the patient's own tissue, a flap, into that pocket. So we're trying to preserve as much of that skin as possible. And that's what happens if there's a me an immediate reconstruction. That's right. If you're doing a reconstruction at the same surgery, surgery that's what okay. we do. Okay, great. Thank you. And... Could there be an instance where there's a skin sparing mastectomy and a later reconstruction? Is there sometimes expanders used? Yes, that's right. Well, I guess an expander is a form of immediate, reconst uh, immediate reconstruction. So we'll place the expander in that pocket and the skin might be sort of collapsed down, but with an idea that we will expand that up fairly quickly so that expander becomes that pillow again and pushes out the edge of the pillowcase. So yes, it sometimes, and there are some some instances where a surgeon may choose to perform. A, it has the intention of performing a skin sparing mastectomy with a, an immediate reconstruction, but for whatever reason, at the time, decides that you know what the situation isn't quite perfect to put that reconstruct to do the reconstruction at the same time, and they might leave the skin as it is for a short period of time and then come back and reconstruct. Great, thank you. And that's a really great way, actually, of thinking of the expander, isn't it? Because I guess and I'm thinking about how I refer to it and maybe some of the other women in the community that when we talk about it, we see it as a step to a delayed reconstruction. But actually, it is, isn't it? It's an immediate reconstruction. Yeah, yeah, it totally is. It's The idea is that you will have a breast form or mound immediately, you know, really soon after surgery. So yeah. that's... That's an that is actually an immediate type of reconstruction. Yes, it is. And um, I have to share with listeners as well. Well, have to, I don't have to. I'd like to share with listeners. I had uh, an expander put in. And I have to say that when I woke up, I was really surprised how to the extent that I did have that. It's a small little mound. Hmm. But I was surprised at how much it was when I woke up from that mastectomy. So, yeah, that is a really great way and a different way for thinking about that. Thank you, Kylie. And you mentioned there the nipple when we were talking about skin sparing mastectomy. So we also hear the term um, nipple sparing mastectomy. Yeah. So nipple sparing mastectomy is exactly like skin sparing mastectomy, except we keep the nipple too. Mm -hmm. 
so the incisions or the scars may be slightly different. So usually with nipple sparing mastectomy, uh, there are many surgeons, including myself, who place the incision right underneath the breast in that fold where the breast meets the chest wall so we can hide the incision and just leave the whole of the breast skin and nipple as one big envelope, okay, so one big pillowcase. Um, and that, you know, allows the nipple to have great blood, well, good blood supply via the skin flaps. The other way, some there's all different ways of doing nipple sparing mastectomy and there's some surgeons choose to use an incision that goes sort of uh, vertically, if you like, or up and down from the nipple down to under the breast to try and hide the incision that way. And sometimes it's done out to the side. It just depends on the situation and the surgeons involved. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, but uh, you can ask your surgeon about that as well, can't you? What, what will my um, incisions be like? What will my scars look like? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. I say, where are my scars going to be? What will it look like? So you should sort of know what to expect when you wake up. Yeah, great. Thank you. Now, there's one term that I've come across as I was researching for the pod, and it's a term that I thought, oh, I don't really I don't really hear that, but it was on a lot of resources, you know, when I've sort of Googled a mastectomy, which, you know, it's not always good to Google, but in this case, I just followed evidence-based informed websites, <laughs> um, and I came across the term modified radical mastectomy. So what is that? A modified radical mastectomy is also a simple mastectomy. But this term came about many years ago um, because, you know, back in the dark ages, if you like, in the, you know, around 1950s earlier, I'm not exactly sure at the timing, but the way that surgeons treated breast cancer was to perform a radical mastectomy. Now, a radical mastectomy was to remove the skin, the breast tissue from underneath, the pectoral muscle, you know, pec major, mm. that big sort of pecs muscle we all talk about. Mm. And all the lymph nodes all in one big section of tissue. Now, it was a pretty horrendous sort of surgery. But at that, in those times, that's all we had to treat breast cancer. So the thought was if you could take out as much tissue off the patient's skeleton, then they would, this is the way to treat breast cancer. So that, was a mod, that was a radical mastectomy. So, mo so modified radical mastectomy came about when surgeons and specialists realised they didn't need to quite do that amount of surgery in order to, um, to improve survival from breast cancer. And so that became the sort of simple mastectomy, if you like, or the, the modified radical mastectomy. Okay, great. So, yeah, very it's like radical by name and radical by procedure. Yeah, it was. And we still, like, sometimes I will see women. It's rare now because most of those women, you know, would be 95, 100, 110 years old. But I know when I started training, it wasn't uncommon to see a, a woman who'd, who'd survived breast cancer from many years ago and she was left with that sort of surgery, that sort of surgical scars and disfigurement. Okay. And you mentioned there as well um, lymph nodes. So mm -hmm. when I was thinking about mastectomy, you know, you've mentioned what the intention of the surgery for a mastectomy is, but I was thinking about are there any other outcomes that come from that procedure and what might happen during the procedure? So I was there, I was thinking of, you know, the pathology afterwards, just so that women could be prepared of what might happen afterwards or sentinel lymph node biopsies. Yeah, so maybe when you are undergoing mastectomy, your surgeon will discuss with you the need for a lymph node biopsy. That's if if you have cancer but we think there's no cancer in the nodes, we will still check them with a sentinel node biopsy, as long as it's an invasive cancer. With ductal carcinoma in situ, we don't. But we might do a small lymph node biopsy along those lines, or some women do require a, a more 
uh, aggressive nodal surgery or a bigger operation called an auxiliary clearance where we take out a lot more lymph nodes uh, from the armpit area. Now, whatever we take out will be examined by a qualified pathologist, and that's really important. Even if we're doing this surgery for preventative purposes, we will still send that tissue to be examined, um, and they cut it up into lots of serial slices and look at each of those slices to make sure there's nothing in there because it is really important information. So I guess that's something that I guess women who are diagnosed with breast cancer expect that to happen because we talk about it. We say, you know, we do the surgery, find out pathology, and then we'll work out other treatments. Mm. But I, someone who's going undergoing preventative surgery when all their scans are clear, I guess may not always appreciate that there is pathology that we're waiting for too, just to make sure. And I know, you know, it's it's a good thing to sort of be prepared for that. Yeah, yeah. And to be aware that um, there may be something that needs to happen afterwards for the pathology, for instance. Like in 97%, yeah, like 90% of 7% 7 of cases, if we're doing a mastectomy for preventative purposes, we won't find anything at all. But there's a very small percentage where we might actually find some atypical or even malignant cells. Yeah. And something else may need to then follow on from that. Okay, thank you. So that's all part of that. And if it's in a somebody a setting where somebody's had a breast cancer diagnosis, that can um, help to uh, inform what that treatment path may be if they're still to receive treatment. Totally. Yes. So if, if there's surgery, you know, sometimes people do chemotherapy first. Sometimes even um, in some in, occasionally we do radiotherapy as well. But we are waiting to see what that pathology shows to then guide us on our next steps to achieve best possible cancer outcome. Great, great. Thank you. That's a great roundup of the of mastectomy, what it is and the different types of mastectomy, why you might have them and um, what are the things that might happen with them there for our listeners. And there are lots of other topics that can come from talking about mastectomy, which we will be covering in future, in future pods. But thank you so much, Kylie, for explaining that so clearly to listeners and uh, talking about uh, yeah, a bit of history there around uh, mastectomy and where it's come from. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Laura. You're, thank, you're so welcome. I will, um, just for listeners, I'll pop a link to the Breast Recon 101 that I did with Kylie if you want to look at another interview that Kylie and I did together, which is on Instagram Live. But before we sign off, uh, regular listeners will know that I do ask guests if they want to share a lyric with listeners or a line from a poem just something that might mean something to them or mean something to their day that they're having so Kylie is there a lyric that you'd like to share with listeners today yeah I know when you asked me this Laura and I thought oh gosh and I woke up this morning and I thought oh no I haven't thought about this lyric I had a few different things on my mind um but I just popped up to the shops a while ago and I'd had a I've had a pretty tough couple of days at work mm. and I'm walking along and the sun shining and I started just singing I can see clearly now the rain has gone and it was I was like oh that to me that just sums up all sorts of things I guess and I, I always get the lyrics wrong when I sing and my kids tell me this constantly <sighs> and I sort of mix them up a bit because I actually googled the lyrics to see what it showed <laughs> and I kept singing I can see clearly now the rain has gone all of the bad feelings have disappeared. And here's the rainbow I've been praying for. And it's going to be a bright, bright, sunny day. And that's how I've, I've just felt about my last few days. And today yeah. is just a so much better day than it has been. And, and I thought, well, yeah, look, that might also be, I guess, what I try to achieve mm. when I see 
women, men as well, um, with a breast cancer diagnosis or are facing risk-reducing mastectomy. What I hope is that we can help navigate them through these processes so then, you know, they can, all the clouds go away and you can see clearly and just feel like, yep, I know what's going on now and this is going to be okay. It's a beautiful lyric. Thank you for sharing. I'm sorry you've had a, a, a couple of days. I do wonder whether there's been something going on. I mean, even my husband the other day, who's not into this kind of thing, he said, is there a full moon? Like, and he... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's it. Yeah. I so I'm sorry that you've had those couple of days, but what a beautiful, um, a beautiful lyric to just like come into your mind. I could just see you walking up, up the road to the shop singing that <laughs> in your head in the sun. Um, yeah. yeah, beautiful. And yeah, you're right, you know, I think we often say as patients, you know, I mean, how terrifying it is to have a diagnosis. Mm. But, and that one of the worst times is that time of the unknown, which, you know, we don't, we don't know. Um, and, mm. and, and often, you know, a mastectomy um, provides some answers to the unknown, especially around treatment. And mm. when we have that plan, when we see people like you, the breast surgeon, and get that plan, that does you know, although it might involve some really big surgeries or treatments, we actually do feel better once we've got a plan. So yeah, mm. absolutely. It is the sunshine and the rainbow. You've, uh, you've nailed it there. Thank you so much, Kylie. It was great having you as a guest. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I just think these information pods are such a great idea. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. You're so welcome. I mean, these pods, you know, and the IG Lives are possible because surgeons like you make yourself available as guests, you know, so that we can share this information more widely on accessible platforms and help support more women who are facing a mastectomy. And I, I know you're really busy, Kylie, so thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Rewritten Me podcast, produced on the traditional lands of the Gal people of the Gurungai tribe of the Eora Nation. If you found any of the content upsetting, please reach out and get help. Breast Cancer Network Australia have a free confidential helpline, 1800 500 258. And Beyond Blue have a range of free resources online at beyondblue.org.au. Or you can call them on 1300 224 636. And a reminder that the information in this podcast does not constitute medical advice. For personalised medical advice, you should seek a consult with a FRAX qualified surgeon or an equally qualified surgeon in your country.